0: Welcome to the Mystic Access Podcast, where the magic is in learning.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of the Mystic Access Podcast. I'm Chris.
2: I'm Kim. And I'm Lisa. We have several exciting announcements to start us out today. We have a trio of new products to tell you about. And some of them we've, we've touched on before. We've given you some information previously, but they're all out. They're all available now for ordering on the site. And we're very tickled about that. And we just wanted to give you a little bit of a review as to what we have. And the first one is Lisa's mini tutorial on the Apple AirPods.
3: And the reason that this is a mini tutorial is that there's not a whole lot to cover the tutorials about a half an hour long and yet if you're interested possibly in purchasing AirPods, there are some things you might want to know and if you already have a set there are little tips and tricks that you can use to get the most out of them so we've done something a little bit different with this one we have made this a name your own price product so basically we set the base price at $5. If you feel that you might get more out of it, you can put a higher price on it. You can get it for 7 or 10 or whatever you would like to do. Basically, it's kind of a way also to donate to Mystic Access and get a little something back. But the important thing really here is Sharing the information, hopefully, in a way that will be helpful to you. One thing that you should know about this tutorial is that you will not hear the audio that's coming from the Apple AirPods. We can't really demonstrate that because they play when they're in your ears. So there's no way for you to hear it. And actually, I just saw a discussion this morning on Twitter. People were talking about whether or not you could really accurately and adequately demonstrate the musical properties of a device in other words if you could demonstrate how the music sounded and it's really hard to capture the actual sound it's more about features and so we do discuss features but if you are getting this tutorial with the idea of hearing how the airpods sound I just need to let you know that You will not be able to hear them per se on the tutorial, but you will be able to hear about all the neat and innovative ways that you can use them. I got mine shortly before Christmas and have been thoroughly enjoying them and just wanted to share that with you.
2: Yeah, and essentially you can think of the Name Your Price products as just putting a little extra tip in our tip jar, you know, if you wish to do that. It's just a little something that we want to do that's a little bit different, a little bit innovative, so... Definitely check it out if it's something that interests you. As with all of our products, you can listen to a sample, so you can try before you buy, right there on the product page. So you'll see a heading and you'll be able to move down and there's a player and you can listen. That will be a lot of fun if you are interested in the Apple AirPods. We have something else musical that we want to discuss, but first, I want to tell you that the Stressless browse happy internet navigation tutorial is now available for purchase. It's been available for pre-order for a while now, but now you can get instant gratification and get the digital download immediately if you purchase now. Really excited and really proud of how this turned out. It's about three hours minus ten minutes. So, you know, it's about two hours and 50 minutes of content for you. And it really goes into making your navigation with a screen reader an easier, more efficient, more confidence building experience for you as a screen reader user the internet is a big vast place and sites are all different from one another just like houses and people (laughs) so you want to be able to browse them proficiently and find what you want easily and that was my goal in creating this tutorial i wanted to be able to give you tips and tricks and strategies to make that happen so there are three parts to it the first part is mindset Because I am a coach and mindset is important to me. And I think it's very important in how one can learn and how one can learn more easily and learn concepts in a more beneficial way. So there's a whole part on mindset and how you can use different mindset strategies to make your browsing experience easier. So it all kind of starts from the inside out. How you think about it can affect how you browse. And that will make more sense when you listen but if that intrigues you then this may be a tutorial that you'd like to look into the second part is all about strategy and learning different navigational strategies to move around the internet i will let you know that you can use this if you are a windows user or a mac user i demonstrate on windows using nvda but jaws users can use it too and voiceover users can use it on mac and even if you're a mobile user There are tips and tricks that will assist you as well. So no matter what platform you use, this tutorial could be beneficial for you. And I'm very, very proud of that fact. (laughs) Part two is all about the different navigation strategies available to you. Headings, lists, links, graphics, all sorts of different ways that you can use to navigate a page more effectively. And then part three is putting it all together. We visit a website and I show you how you can use all these tips in conjunction with one another to make your browsing experience easier, more fun, more effective, and just a more enjoyable experience overall. Really tickled with how this tutorial turned out and hope you will check it out. The introduction is available for you on the website for free. So you can listen on the product page and get an idea what it's all about. And I'm just very happy with this one. It's one of those that I just want to kind of shout to the skies about because I think it's so needed. A lot of us don't have As much confidence as we need to be able to browse the internet effectively and browse websites and this can help in your personal life your professional life and just for your pleasure online in general so I hope you'll check that out
1: one thing that this tutorial doesn't do is it does not go to a website and take you through a website from start to finish front to back what have you that's going to change within 10 minutes. What it does is, and what it does well, is it gives you the tools that you need to navigate pretty much any website. And the caveat is as long as the website is accessible and usable. And there are some discussions within the tutorial that talk about some sites that are not uh, accessible. Yes. Yes,
2: absolutely. And what you can do to maybe change that or to help change that (laughs) so you can kind of learn to be your own advocate with this tutorial a little bit too so really proud of it really proud of how it turned out and hope that those who purchase will get tremendous benefit from using it
3: I can't say enough good about this tutorial it is something I wish I had produced I wish it were something that had been available when I was first learning to use the computer. I'm glad it's something that's available now. I've been around the technology block a couple of times, I think. But just using this and going through the tutorial, I learned a few tips and tricks. And I think that's the case. We all have a lot to learn from each other. But just hearing about the ways that someone else can and does Browse a website, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to get entrenched into our own ways of doing things, and so hearing about the ways that people browse is really good. It opens up new ways of thinking about it, new ways of doing, and maybe more productive ways of doing the same things. That's
2: so true, and I'm really glad you said that about wishing you had had it when you started, because that's actually the perspective from which I created it, because Really, most of what I know how to do on the Internet, initially, I was self-taught. I yeah. had no instruction at all. And, you know, to have had something like this at that time, I kind of made it from that perspective, thinking, what would I have wanted? And what would other people who I've talked to in the, you know, 20 years or more since then, would have they, what would they have wanted in yes. terms of moving across and learning and figuring some of the stuff out? So thank you for saying that. That means yeah. a lot to me.
3: If you've been on the internet for a while, I wouldn't discount it either. Uh Uh-uh, no. For me, secretly, I kept thinking, okay, is it done yet? Is it done yet? I want (laughs) to hear it. Really, I was very eager to get this into my own hands and just see how things are different. And in some ways, Kim and I browse similarly. And in some ways, we browse very differently. And so... The next time I get stuck and the next time I run up against a website that makes me want to rid myself of some of my hair, otherwise known as tear my hair out, I will certainly use some of the strategies that she discussed. And there are
2: probably strategies I didn't put in there. I mean, you're probably going to find others as you just get more curious that may work for you we don't talk about frames for instance because frankly i've never found them very useful and, and they not really, really there anymore no. yeah and they're not really even there anymore so it's not something yeah. that you know you you rarely rarely see them on sites anymore so there's some stuff we don't even touch on but you'll find your own ways and i think if you come away from this tutorial feeling like well cool now i can find my own ways of doing things then i've totally done my job so that's great
1: Speaking of the internet, you can browse over to our website and look at our third option, which is our latest hardware product. That is the iGoku. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Lisa, you can tell me if I'm doing it right or not. <laughs> Lisa
3: said it a lot of times exactly. in the
2: recent past.
3: Yes,
1: yes, she did. Yes. And you that... know how
3: hard that is to say, especially when you're getting really tired? I probably, if I kept such things have about 10 minutes of me <laughs> saying and mispronouncing that word.
2: Yes. Yeah, it's not words, the easiest thing to say.
3: In other words, folks, the cookie's done. The cookie's, the cookie's done. The ready. So the if you call us baking, and say, I want to order the cookie,
2: the cookie's done baking. if you call us and say, I want to order the cookie, we'll know exactly what you're talking about. It's cool. <laughs>
3: exactly. It's hard to pronounce, but it's also hard to, for me at least, just to remember the word because it's a different word. So... Yeah, Um, we're not from the east. I think if
2: we were from Asia, it might be easier for us because it sounds very eastern. But that could just be me being stereotypical. Some
3: translate service. I wonder if it means something. You know, it might. Who knows? The I, the I, is probably like iPhone, iPod. Maybe they got away with it that way. But I, I bet that Goku, perhaps might mean something. I don't yes. know. Wouldn't it, be a, wouldn't it be a hoot if it actually meant cookie? Not that I think it that does. That would be but funny.
2: Yes. That would be. So if any of no. you speak Chinese, Japanese, or Korean and know the
3: answer to that question, please let us know. <laughs> We'd love to know. Yeah. yeah. I've really gotten attached to this little speaker. I've had several Bluetooth speakers over the years, and this is not the biggest and the highest fidelity, but it's I mean, it's really good, and it's very portable, and it's just like my little buddy, kind of. I love that with the carabiner, you can attach it to things, to a bag, to... People have talked about attaching it to something on a boat. You can attach it to a a bed, a wheelchair, a walker, a purse, a dog, maybe a really big cat, if you have a cat. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That might be a bit overboard, but you can. And the controls are very tactile. They do require a little bit of pressure. This is a fun one to get to know, and we think that you will enjoy it, and uh, you can order it on our website. We do,
2: and the controls are very distinguishable from one another, and just to show you, I'm going to turn mine
0: on. Bluetooth mode. There's the voice that you're going
2: to hear. As many of you may know, all of our speakers have voice prompts available, and this is no exception. There's her voice. I'm going to turn her off. Power off. So she's easily understandable. She's pleasant. I think one of my favorite things about the speaker is how much you can do with it. It has SD card. It has auxiliary. It has Bluetooth, obviously, but... It has a couple really cool features that I think are especially amazing, and we're going to actually have a little demo of one of those. And Lisa, do you want to share about that?
3: Sure. There are two things it does that haven't thus far been mentioned, and one is that you can play a micro SD card. So you can load music or books or whatever on a micro SD card, leave it in there, and it will just play. But the thing that it does that none of our speakers have done thus far is you can use it as an external sound card on your computer so for example if you have a laptop or even the desktop because sometimes those aren't so great with little horrendous speakers you can use this as an alternate source you can use this speaker as your computer speakers or I like to do this sometimes what I will do is I'll have my screen reader coming through my laptop speakers or my headphones and I want something a little nicer, but I also want it a little bit separate for music. I find I like the screen reader coming through a smaller speaker. I used to have these wonderful big speakers. If I played the screen reader through them for too long, it gave me a headache. It was like the voice of God was screaming at me. It was uncomfortable. You can have this either play your screen reader output or music and we'll in a little while have a demo of how to do that. It's actually simpler than maybe I have made it sound.
2: Yeah, let's go ahead and do that now and we'll show you how it works. So if that particular feature interests you, then you can check out how it works. So here's Lisa again. (laughs)
3: Our new iGoku X5 speaker has a feature that none of the other speakers that we offer currently has, and that is that you can use it as an external sound card. Let's say, for example, that I would like my screen reader's output to come out of the speaker instead of out of my laptop speakers. First of all, I need to set the speaker on my laptop as default Otherwise, when I plug in the speaker, it will automatically grab all audio. I find the easiest way to do this is to go into my system tray. To go to the system tray, using any screen reader, I will simply press the Windows key along with the letter B as in boy.
4: User promoted notification area toolbar, TW blue button.
3: I will then press S twice. My option is labeled speakers, yours may be different but that's what mine is. If you need to find what yours is labeled, just use your down arrow. But as I said, I'm going to press the letter
4: S. Safely remove hardware and eject media button. Speakers, 80% button.
3: Now I'm going to press my context menu key. Context menu. And down arrow.
4: Open volume mixer M. Spatial sound, off playback devices B
3: To playback devices and press enter.
4: Sound dialog, playback property page. Select a playback device below to modify its settings. List, speakers, Conex and ISST audio. Default device 1 of 2.
3: That is what I want, and it is already set as the default. This already is my default, so let me down arrow once.
4: Speakers, USB 2.0 device, ready 2 of 2.
3: This is the iGoku speaker that's plugged in, but because it's not set as the default, I will use it as my example. I'm going to tab.
4: Configure button Alt plus C.
3: And tab once more.
4: Set default split button submenu Alt plus S
3: and pressing enter here would set that as the default.
4: Properties button, okay button.
3: I would then tab to okay and press enter, but since I don't want to make any changes, I'm simply going to escape. Now, let me show you how easy it is to switch speakers with NVDA. To get started, I'll plug the micro USB cable into the speaker, nibs down, and it is of course connected to my computer's USB port. I'm then going to press the power or mode button and hold it for about two seconds. Play by TF card. I'll press it once more. PC mode.
4: And... From play, e. the with from
3: and now I'm ready to switch sound cards. As you heard, the notification came up on my computer, which means it sees the speaker. I'm going to press Insert N.
4: NBDA menu, preferences sub B. I've
3: just down arrowed to preferences and pressed Enter. General settings. G. And down arrow.
4: Synthesizer. S.
3: And press Enter on synthesizer.
4: Synthesizer dialog. Synthesizer. Combo box, Windows 1 Core voices, collapse Alt plus S. Output device, Combo box speakers, Konexin and T audio, collapse Alt plus D.
3: There is the same speaker that is listed as my default. In this case,
4: speakers, USB 2.0 device.
3: I've down arrowed to the speaker USB device.
4: Audio ducking mode, Combo box no ducking, collapse Alt plus D. OK button. TW blue. List, blind alive. Text, happiest of birthdays to Mel Scott at blind alive S founder. Here's wishing you many years of happiness ahead.
3: And as you can hear, the audio has switched to the speaker. Of course, I could have set the iGoku speaker as the default and had that handle music while leaving the handling of the screen reader on my computer. I'm going to exit NVDA now and show you the procedure in JAWS. Now when I start JAWS, because the default is still my laptop speakers, JAWS will come up using the laptop speakers. Changing audio sources in JAWS is as simple as it is in NVDA. I'm going to press insert J. I'm going to down arrow once to utilities. And down arrow till I reach sound card submenu and press enter. Enter. Windows default sound card card is checked so whatever the default would be is what is checked. Down arrow to speakers USB 2.0 device and press enter. And as you can hear, JAWS is now coming out of the speaker with a richer, fuller sound than that offered by the laptop. Of course, to have sound playing back through your computer speakers again, just reverse the process both in JAWS and NVDA. This little speaker has lots of great features and I would encourage you to go to mysticaccess.com to check all of them out and to order one for yourself. As always, it comes with a tutorial that walks you through the ins and outs of how to use it.
2: So we're really excited about that speaker being available for you guys. If you are international or if you just want the tutorial by itself, either as a digital download or via SD card, then you can do that as well. It's $15. The products are both available on the website, the digital tutorial or the speaker with the tutorial included. If you've never bought a speaker from us before, it comes to you with the SD card included as well. So we'll send you the speaker and the tutorial on SD. If you need it on CD or a different type of external media, we can do that too. Just let us know in your order notes or if you give us a call tell us that so we can make that happen for you but we're really excited about this and just the fact that it can be used as a sound card we just think is super cool (laughs) because to do that back in the day that would have cost thousands of dollars and speaking of thousands of dollars well we're not going to save you quite that much but we do have the ability for you to save a little money if you are listening to this podcast in time When you are hearing this, we are right toward the end of our Valentine Day sale. So however you are celebrating, whether alone or with someone special, we want to share our love with our customers and have a little sale for you guys. If you are listening on Tuesday, February 13th or Wednesday, February 14th, 2018, you are still eligible for the sale. So you can save a little bit of money automatically when you visit the site. All you have to do is find the product you want. You'll see the sale price and you can add to your cart or buy now or you can call us and we'll take care of it all for you. If you want one of these cool new products, it might be a great time to do it if you're listening in time.
1: So now we move from one speaker to another speaker. Yes, or a whole
2: family of them. (laughs) Pretty much,
1: yeah. And (laughs) this is the monthly class that we're going to be holding on February 22nd,
2: which is a Thursday,
1: at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And we are going to be discussing the accessibility of the Sonos products. Why would you want one? Is it right for you? Those kinds of things. We're going to talk about the accessibility of the Windows client, the Mac client, the iOS, Android, and yes, even Fire. So you can basically play your Sonos or control your Sonos from those platforms.
2: Absolutely. And we're going to talk about comparing it to speakers that you may already own, why you might want this one, or why you might not. So it's going to be a fun class. We're going to attempt to be objective, or at least I'm going to attempt to be objective because I'm kind of in love with mine. But it's going to be fun, and it's going to be very musical. Definitely come hang out with us. The class is called The Sound of Sonos. And no, for those of you wondering, I did not know about Paul Simon's retirement before I created the name of the class. But that's the name of it, and you can learn all about it and get the call-in information on our free teleseminar list. And you can join that by visiting mysticaccess.com slash teleclasses mysticaccess.com slash t-e-l-e-c-l-a-s-s-e-s and there is a little form there to put your email address in to join us. And if you have any trouble, let us know. We'll be happy to help you out. But you can learn all about our free classes on that page and join the list. It's a fun place to learn all about what we've got coming up. And this is our February class.
1: The next thing we're going to talk about is another speaker <laughs> another thing that talks and speaks and <laughs> <or> stuff <laughs> makes noise yeah and that is of course those of you that know us and have been listening for a while know that we like our amazon echo products our a-l-e-x-a or she who must not be named because yes. your whole house will start doing stuff that you don't chris's want will do.
2: that's for sure <laughs> well
1: anyway <laughs> the Thing that we want to talk about is the Echo Connect. The Echo Connect is a little box that connects between your landline and your telephone. You can't use it with a cell phone. But what it allows you to do is both place outgoing calls and answer incoming calls from your Echo. Now you might want to ask Why would you want to do that? Is that what you were going to ask, Kim?
2: Yes, that is what I was going to ask. Because I'm thinking, well, I have a speakerphone. Why wouldn't I use that for a brief moment if I needed to answer a call? Or why would I want those artifact sounds when I could answer via my regular phone?
1: There's a couple of reasons why one might want this. And... One, we will not be demonstrating. (laughs) Or Chris
2: will have the cops at his door and we don't want
1: that. Well, pretty much, yeah. And then they'll be (laughs) being hauled away in chains. But anyway, you can use it to call 911, which you can't do with the just echo to echo calling or the outgoing echo or outgoing Google Home where you can call specific numbers. You can tell the assistant to call 716-543-3323, 716-543-3323, for example, and it will make the outgoing call. Those will not call 911. If you know someone who can't move, you know, their motor, their mobility is impaired or whatever, or they, they're fallen and they can't get up type of situation, they would be able to call emergency services and talk to emergency services again. You have to be able to speak still. The other kind of cool thing, there's a couple of ways that I've actually utilized it. One, it speaks the name of the incoming call when they are in your contacts. It used to speak the number. I don't know what they did with it, but it's not speaking the numbers now of uh, just random incoming calls. There are a couple of other kind of interesting ways that I would utilize this. And Lisa was the... uh, the recipient of it yesterday, because Lisa called, and I had to answer the phone, and I couldn't find my cordless phones, and by the time the phone stopped ringing, she would have gone to voicemail, and I had to call her back, you know, really, and I didn't want to do that, so I just told A-L-E-X-A to answer the phone, and we had our conversation, And it's not the best quality of conversation. Uh, Lisa can probably attest to that. But what it does do is it gives you the freedom to answer the phone when you're walking around the house. Or if you have an echo near or in your kitchen and you're cooking and somebody calls you that you have to take the call. And say your hands are dirty or whatever. You can just answer the call and have a conversation with the person and move on with the rest of your day. One cool thing that you can do with the Echo Connect that we discovered this morning is that if you are on the phone with the Echo Connect, you can pick up another one of your phones on, that, on the extension and resume your call that way. So that will work.
2: So you don't have to... Make your person listen to your speakerphone quality for the entire conversation. You can switch to your phone. So that's really, for me, I think a deal breaker. If that had not have worked, it's something I would never want to have in my
1: house, because I really don't like speakerphones, if I can help it. I don't either, but it does sound, I mean, it sounds, it's... it's it sounds like a speakerphone. <laughs> right. Well, it's, of course, it sounds like a speakerphone. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, you know, who there are people that do use speakerphones all the time.
2: Sure, and the other thing that to mention that it's important to know is that if you have a VoIP line, like Chris and I both do, then you can utilize this with VoIP as well as a landline. So, you can't use a cell phone, as Chris said, but you can use VoIP. So, if you have a VoIP line from Fiatalk or some of these other companies, you can definitely, Vonage, you can definitely check out this and it can work for you.
1: Kim is going to mute herself. I am. And then she will call and I will answer on my echo. While I'm waiting for Kim to call me, I'm going to ask Echo a question. Ask Hello. Tell me about Echo Connect.
0: Echo Connect turns your echo into a voice controlled speakerphone. Use Echo Connect to answer your home phone from across the room and make and receive calls using your compatible Echo devices. For more information, visit Amazon.com echoconnect Echo Connect. Kim Loftus would like to talk.
1: Ask hello. Answer. Hello. Hi. So you're talking to me on my Echo and...
2: I'm going to say some words, and because you're very close to your Echo to make this recording work well, it actually sounds quite good. So if you're close to your Echo, like washing dishes or dusting or whatever you happen to might be doing at the time, then that might work actually quite well, because it does sound a little better than I initially gave it credit for a second ago. So,
1: Well, it really depends on, like you said, I have to be really close so that it can yes. pick it up. But it it's it's a nice way to just be hands-free when you're, you know, just doing other things. But again, if you're further away from it, then yeah, it probably does sound a little weird.
2: So. Yeah, it definitely has more of a speakerphone VoIP-ish quality to it. In other words, it sounds muffled, it doesn't sound very clear. So the closer you are to it, certainly the more pleasant it's going to be to your caller. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So, I'm going to say the magic word and I'm going to hang up so that our listeners can hear what it sounds like when it hangs up. That's hello. Hang up.
2: And you hung up. I did. <laughs> and I heard a click in my ear.
1: Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, so I did. What we're going to do now is show you a disadvantage of yes, we are. <laughs> calling with your Echo, your Echo Connect, your Google Home, any of that stuff. Yes. Call 716-543-3323.
0: 716-543-3323.
1: Thank you for calling
0: Mystic Access, where the magic is in learning. We appreciate your call. If you know your party's extension, you may enter it at any time. If you have questions about our comprehensive
1: assistive There's technology, products,
0: and services, or if you we wish to place an order via phone, please press 1. To reach the Mystic Access Ag- Podcast, comment...
1: Hang up. So, unless you're calling a system that has speech recognition, and you reach one of these menus, you wouldn't be able to get through. So you'd just kind of be hanging out at the menu. So... That is one disadvantage of using your Echo. I suppose with the Connect at least, you could pick up an extension, type in the number, and move on with the rest of your day until you actually connect with a live human being. If you're going to pick up the extension, you might as well just pick up the extension and talk on it. To make the call initially. Right, right, exactly. That is a disadvantage of all of the voice assistants when you're calling out. Yeah,
2: so don't do your QVC shopping or anything like that using these or something like calling us because it won't work. Actually, with QVC, if you call the automated number, you'd eventually get an operator, but who wants to do that?
1: <laughs> right, you'd probably have to wait for quite a long time. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not really worthwhile. Right, exactly. So. It's an
2: interesting device that Chris picked up that we thought was interesting enough to show you all, and particularly if you have multiple disabilities and one of which may be a motor disability of some sort then this could be cool just for the 911 capability that it has. And I think they're, what, about 40 bucks?
1: Yeah, I think it was like 35 bucks. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that and an Echo Dot could really, you know, enhance your, your calling. Actually, the funny thing is I saw a voice-activated assistive technology type of telephone about a year ago. And you could answer the call, you could hang up the call, you can dial the calls, you can do all the stuff that you can do with the Echo and the Echo Connect. I bet this it thing... costs
2: a lot more than the Echo and the Echo Connect. <laughs>
1: it did. It was like two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. So yeah, it was a little pricey for what thirty-five plus probably about forty-nine or something. Yeah, so like there. eighty-five,
2: say about eighty-five bucks. Yes. You know, eighty-five, yeah. ninety bucks. You could have the whole suite. Speaking of which, just so y'all are aware, I know that I've been seeing some incredible Echo deals lately. If you want, like a bundle, like a Fire Stick and a Dot, for instance, I mean, there's some crazy deals going on Amazon right now. So if you're interested in this it was 69 bucks or something. It was something like that. It was crazy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah, I saw that too. It was like, wow, okay. Yeah.
2: So if you want to bundle your Echo products, this might be a very cool time to do so.
1: i think uh google and amazon are trying to battle it out for uh you know which assistant's going to win or because i just saw the google home mini which we will talk about in probably the next next podcast podcast. yeah but i just saw that a commercial for that it was 49 now they're they're touting it at 39 and they were giving them away for christmas if you bought some other product which was kind of cool so and That's... the
2: same thing's kind of happening with Apple and Sonos, but we'll tell you more about that if you come to our free February class. <laughs> exactly.
1: So for our main event, we are going to enter the Mystic Access Magic Castle where Lisa and I and Kim, and there was a little bit of delay with Kim, so we won't hear too much of Kim. Yeah, him I don't talk me. as much
2: as normal, so some of you may be breathing sighs of relief. You won't hear quite as much of me.
1: <laughs> exactly. We enter the Mystic Access Magic Castle and we have a really nice discussion with Shelly Brisbane, who is the author of iOS Access for All. And you can listen to this now. Welcome
0: to the Mystic Access Magic Castle.
1: Hello, everybody. We are in the Mystic Access Magic Castle. Again, this is Chris, and we have Kim and Lisa and we have a special guest with us in the castle and lisa is going to actually introduce our guest
3: yes every year this wonderful gift arrives in the form of usually i see it as a tweet on the internet and it tells me that a new book is available i love to read and i love to learn and this book is really an encyclopedia almost of all things iOS and I could probably sit here for the next half hour and just wax poetic about the virtues of this book and all the things that make it wonderful I've owned several editions if I were you I would not want to hear me do that for half an hour so we are very privileged to have Shelley Brisbane join us Shelly is a writer editor podcaster and cocktail enthusiast. Shelley's career in tech journalism spans 28 years, 16 books, hundreds of articles and blog posts for leading tech publications, and several stints on the editorial staffs of leading trade publications and websites. Shelley covers low vision related topics for Access World magazine and the Blind Bargains podcast. She served as editor in chief of Blogger and Podcaster Magazine, networking editor for Mac User Magazine, and editor for online learning company Powered Inc. Her podcasts include the Parallel Podcast with accessibility sprinkles and the award winning Shelley's Podcast. When she's not working, Shelley spends time with her husband and cats in Austin, Texas, watches ancient movies. And reads books, some of which are made of paper. Welcome, Shelly. We're so thrilled to
5: have you with us.
1: Welcome, Shelly.
5: Thank you so much. It's Welcome. great to be here in the castle. And thanks for that lovely introduction, some of which I wrote, but I was not gonna for say you. it's lovely to <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I think we stole it. <laughs> we did. I, I met the part about the, you, the, the nice things you said about the book, but thanks for that as well. So. Except for the accessibility <laughs> sprinkle. Set
3: like the tagline for the one podcast. And I love that because it's,
2: yeah, that's awesome.
3: You do a lot, I think with the intersection of accessibility as we know it and mainstream life.
1: One of the things that I, when I first was introduced to Shelly, well, not really personally introduced to Shelly was when I first started to get into or podcasting 2005, 2006. And one thing I can remember, one of my first podcasts was the Shelley Cast, and I remember this this uh, time where you and your husband were paving the driveway or something (laughs) like that. Ah, Kind of stuck with me, and I really was paving the driveway, not me. (laughs) (laughs) I I totally remember that, and I also remembered too that you had mentioned in one of those podcasts that you had a visual impairment and i thought that that was really cool that you know you did in, in your resume so i was really impressed with the you know with it back then so it's it's really nice to have you on the podcast
5: well thank you and i i appreciate that you're a podcast old timer as am i i mean yes. <laughs> I, when i found out podcasting was a thing i was just so happy and i was like oh i get to talk into a microphone and maybe a couple of people listen And I do hear from people who listened back then that I had no idea listened back then. And I'm like, oh, wow, I thought it was just me in the podcast closet. But apparently a couple (laughs) people listened. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep, and I was one of them.
3: (laughs) Well, let's talk more about the book. It is iOS Access for All. and. This is a mammoth book. I mean, this is, this is a book with a capital B. If this were Braille, I wonder how many volumes it would be if it were in Braille, because it's oh, enormous. Lots. I should and, figure
5: that out, actually, because I have a Yes. Word account, you should I, figure I, that out and tout it. That's, to Maybe National Braille Press could help me with that or something. Well, we it's <laughs> kind of
3: like. There you go. I don't know if you remember. National Braille Press used to have a book by Harley Hahn called Internet Basics, and it was eight. Ginormous book. I think I used to have that (laughs) book. I had that book. And this has to be (laughs) at least that. And what I tend to do with all of the books is I read through the whole thing. And afterward, my brain kind of feels like it's been taken to the cleaner. (laughs) But it's really good because then if something comes up, a situation, a problem, a question, something in the back of my mind says, you know, Shelley had something to say about this. And so I can look. Um, one of the things that all of us were really impressed with was the amount of heading navigation in the book. So you don't just have to read and read and read and read. You can navigate by headings to find absolutely anything you need.
5: That's one of the reasons I don't feel bad about having such a long book, because. I was very insistent and I write by outlines. I need an outline to help me stay on course. And so knowing that the EPUB format, which is accessible, allows me to create several levels of headings. It was, it was great for me as a writer, but I also knew that somebody who didn't want to read the whole book could find just the thing they wanted. And if somebody wanted to do like you and just you know spend a weekend reading the whole darn thing, but you forgot where you saw that little bit about such and such, you could go back. Because people will always ask me, well, is this book for a beginner or for somebody who's had more experience? And I say, well, I hope it's for everybody because there's enough stuff in there and it's organized in such a way that I hope people can find what they want.
1: It is absolutely for everybody as someone yes. who was reading it. You know, I, we had the iOS for 8 version and then we ended up getting the iOS 11 version. And we were reading the book today and I'm like, the part about the split tap method where you're telling people to split tap in order to touch type the standard typing i thought that was brilliant well thank Uh, you yeah i was like wow that's
5: one of those things that i mean the book is it's my work but i also have gotten feedback from people or i've just paid attention to the way other people talk about doing certain things in a different way than I did before I wrote the book. And so that's not a tip I got from somebody else per se, but it's an idea I got from listening to people talk about the way they actually used voiceover to type. And, you know, people will always say, well, which typing method should I use? Tell me the one. Uh And I was like, well, there's several. And there's Mm -hmm. the split tap, which is a variation. So I'm going to suggest, and I do this all the time in the book. It probably drives some people crazy. I say, well, you could do this. Or on the other hand, you could do the other thing. And I think that's helpful because I'm not telling you this is the only way. I'm telling you here are a couple of different ways. And I could tell you my favorite if you put me up against the wall and you know, threatened to hurt my cats or something, <laughs> but um, I'm not gonna force you to choose my method. <laughs>
2: I think one of the things that I appreciate is the fact that there are those fun, innovative tips that I haven't heard elsewhere. Like, and this one wouldn't apply to me so much, but like the using of the device as your mirror. I just thought that was one of those really cool things. I'm like, hey, never even really thought of that. Never heard that anywhere else before. And, you know, having that tossed in with all these details about from really soups to nuts getting started all the way into very advanced tips. It's one of those books I really wish I would have had as a very baby beginner iOS user first starting out back when I did in 2011 that it would have been awesome, but it's still awesome because there's all these tips that I, you know, had never thought of and, you know, would have even thought to mention to students. So I love that.
5: Thank you. The, the thing about the, the mirror, and that's in the low vision chapter because I'm a person with low vision, and so a lot of the stuff in that chapter is straight out of the way my brain works. Especially that ending, the, the, there's a section at the end of that chapter, which is basically, here's some things that your iPhone can do that aren't really specific to low vision, but they can help you as a person who has low vision. And it's just stuff I did. And the, my copy editor who works with me on it, she's like, you you've listed a lot of things here and you're sort of off the track of giving people tips as to how to use the low vision tools. Aren't you, are you kind of going off the deep end here? And I said, no, because I've done all these things. <laughs> the mirror and finding the car with of the person that you rode with in the parking lot by uh, taking a picture of it with the iPhone. I mean, all kind of stuff like that. And I've caught a few of those things over time, but that chapter is just full of me being sort of exuberant about how excited I am with the iPhone.
3: <laughs> I feel like this book kind of, well, to be perfectly honest, it makes me look good. <laughs> because if I get questions about low vision as a person who is totally blind I have a resource I have a place to go where it's all put together I have never worked with anyone who used an iPhone with switch access but that fascinates me to just kind of find out how people with different kinds of disabilities are using this device and it really does kind of just bring back that sense of exuberance or awe at how versatile it really is. Kim mentioned the mirror and I'm curious if you have any other tips that you share throughout the book that are kind of your favorites if you would maybe tell us two or three of
5: those. Let's see some of my favorites. Uh, Well I mean a lot of them tend to come from the low vision chapter because The way I've always operated as a low vision person is sort of as a life hacker. I'm always trying to find ways to do things that nobody taught me in a mobility and orientation class or anything. It's just like, I I hacked my way through life. And that's probably because I've lived so much in the mainstream world. And so it's like, well, if I I don't figure out how to do it, then nobody else will show me. Mm -hmm. And so there there are a lot of things that I guess are pretty straightforward. Like I use the camera and now that there's the magnifier feature with an iOS, to read menus in front of me on the table to menus up on a wall. I'll take a photograph of a menu that's at a fast food place or something, and then I'll get myself out of line and study the picture of the menu that I've taken. And now that we have such great scanning apps, I could use Seeing AI or KNFB Reader to even turn that menu into, into text. And I know, you know, a lot of blind folks have different ways of acquiring menus, but as a low vision person, I want to grab that information that's on the wall, whether it's in the restaurant or in the airport. I've, I've talked about... Um, taking pictures of your location to remember where you are. There's a tip I have in there. I remember going to the San Francisco airport once, and I've been to that airport many times, but every time you go to an airport, you end up in a different part of it. Yes, and, I was do. T- <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I was taking the, uh, the light rail into San Francisco from the airport, and it was a very, I have a, I'm photophobic, so I'm really sensitive to light, and it was a really bright area, and I sort of got myself to the train, but I realized on the way back, I'd really like to remember what this space looks like. And I took a picture and I kept that picture so that when I came back to the airport, I would know where I was. And it was actually a big help. And it wasn't even about reading the signs. It was just about little low vision friendly landmarky things that I saw. Oh, well, there's that kind of planter that they have, or this is where the train sign is. This is what it looks like. That kind of stuff. Those are, those are a couple low visiony kind of tips.
3: That's fantastic. So what kinds of things go into updating and revising the book. I mean, most people are really excited when they hear there's a new version of iOS coming out. When you find out a date or a projected date when iOS 12 is about to drop, will your reaction be, yay, fun, or will it be kind of like, oh, here we go again? (laughs) Um, And what goes into writing that and updating
5: well, it helps that Apple is pretty regular with its schedules. And so that is a, a big help to me. And also that they have a public beta program. So the minute they announce it at Worldwide Developers Conference in June, we know we're, there's going to be an iOS. The question is, what day in September or October will it drop? And so my sort of book writing season is, in theory, it's between June and October. Sometimes it stretches out toward, you know, toward, from July to November or something like that. And I don't write the whole time but I know that the beta will come out and a lot of features won't be ready. The advantage of having done the book before is I'm not looking to create new chapters. What I'm looking to do is find the places in the outline where new things will go. So for example, we had Smart Invert Colors was a new feature in iOS 11. Well, obviously I needed a section for that and I knew that there were some voiceover changes and and so I just add to my outline And then as I use the betas, as I discover things, because Apple doesn't give you a handy list. They'll give you the beta software, but they don't give you a handy list that says, these are the 18 accessibility related features. They'll tell you their roadmap, mostly for mainstream features. And you'll learn something like the notification center or the control center is different. And you can see that or work and figure it out by working with it. But I'm not gonna learn that there's, you know, contracted braille support in a place where there wasn't before until I dig in. And so it, it's a lot of just finding things and trial and error. And I do have some contacts in various places where I get a little bit of information, but mostly it's hunting and pecking. And I, I've made a decision and I, I think, you know, there are a lot of people who, there are people who write about iOS and even in the accessibility world who absolutely want to have the information out the first day that the iOS 12 or iOS 11 in the case of last year is available. They want it out right then. And they're right from their perspective but from my perspective my book needs to bake completely i'm never going to release a book on the day that ios 12 comes out i'm going to wait till maybe there's a couple of revisions past 12.0 not even to squash the bugs but mainly just so that i've had a chance to work with the shipping software because apple has no qualms about adding little features or changing the way features work or even something as simple as changing where a setting is located between August and October when they release the OS. And so I don't want to have to come back two weeks after the OS is released or a month or two months and go, you know when I told you to go to settings, accessibility, voiceover, blah, blah, blah. Never mind.
1: In in my in my previous life, just to kind of add to that, in my previous life with Sendero, I did the documentation for the Sendero GPS product for the Braille note. And I thought, oh well, I'll be ahead of the game, and I'll start writing the documentation when the product's in alpha. Well, there were sections that I had to completely rip out because they had to be completely ripped out in the product because it wasn't ready for prime time, so now I know exactly what you're talking about.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of yep. have a method of like I have a, a what I call a change list, so every time I change something from the previous book. I mark it down in this little section where I keep notes, and then when it ships, I go back and make sure those changes are still valid, and then I also note when I've made the update, and, it's, it's like, and that just comes of having written an awful lot of books. You can still miss things, and, and, I, and I always say to people, you know, I'll release a, a, a book that covers iOS 11, but if iOS 11.4 comes out and there's something substantive, in, especially in accessibility features has changed, I'm going to give you a free update because it's basically going to be the same book with added stuff. And I've had to do that a couple of times.
3: While we're talking free or cost, I want to say here that the book sells for $20 U.S. In my opinion, it is worth every bit of that. I would be hard-pressed to find a book that is both reference-related and practical of that size and that scope in all honesty for that little money.
1: Right. Uh, And I just, I just also wanted to mention too, just for the listener's sake that the book itself is not strictly voiceover. Uh, If we weren't able to gather that from listening to Shelly talk, it's everything. Uh, Lisa had mentioned switches. So, you know, it, it's, it, it takes all of the accessibility of the iOS platform and gives it to you in one neat package.
5: That was really important to me because I felt like, when I started the book, I started from the voiceover perspective, honestly. I said, there are voiceover resources out there on the web, a lot to large part, some of which were old, they had been outdated. There were keyboard commands that were not new anymore. And just, you know, we've skipped past an OS and we haven't upgraded it. And so I started off thinking, well, I'm gonna do a voiceover book. But then I realized that was the only accessibility feature in iOS that was covered in a substantive way. And especially as a person with low vision, I felt like people who were writing about voiceover were saying there's Zoom and Zoom is cool. Yeah, but how does it work? And what features does it have? And how can I best optimize that for my, my own personal needs? And then obviously switch access, which I don't pretend to understand hundred percent because the thing about switches is that you use them in combination. And I've actually been to some talks by switch vendors and people who configure switches for iPad users. And it's fascinating because there's a whole bunch of strategies related to each, basically what you do, a switch substitutes for a gesture. And so a person with switches typically will use far more than one. So one switch might be a tap, one switch might be a left flick, one switch might be a right flick. And so vendors will configure these really groovy setups and they're also customized to somebody's abilities and their hand motion and all that kind of stuff and it's it's fascinating and when I say I don't pretend to understand it what I what I mean by that is I don't know all the ins and outs of how one configures a switch for an individual's needs but it's really fascinating and it's it's kind of an art
1: it's very fascinating i've worked with uh, a couple of clients in the distant past who have operated their full blown windows machines with nothing but switches and typing emails and all that stuff and it was it was an amazing thing to watch and be a part of.
3: The title of the book really is descriptive. iOS access for all. I think sometimes as blind people, we get in our little bubble and we think that the only accessibility is accessibility for us. And this not only reminds us but demonstrates to us that accessibility is a far more universal, far more far-reaching thing i'm really curious to know if you have a story or incident maybe a reader kind of testimonial of someone who has maybe benefited or made great strides as a result of reading and learning from your book
5: well this one took me by surprise because it was so seemingly simple and straightforward and this is his blind user actually So there's a chapter in the book uh, that covers all of the apps that Apple ships with iOS. So mail and calendar and Safari and messages and all those apps. And and the reason I started to do that chapter five editions ago was I basically wanted to call out each app and say how accessible it was and to say, if it's not accessible, here's some alternatives you have. And if you don't think it's accessible, here's some workarounds and some tips and stuff. That chapter is now like 90 pages. It's ridiculous because Apple ships a lot of great software with iOS. And so I've got myself into this box where I'm writing a section about each app. So one of the apps I found myself writing about was phone because believe it or not, to make a phone call, that is an app. I was like, all right, all right. Okay, here's your dial pad. Here's your favorites. Here's your contacts. I'm writing about phone. This is the most boring thing I've ever, I, why am I even doing this? Everybody knows how to run the phone. <laughs> Well, I talked to somebody and actually she's somebody who interviewed me for a podcast several years ago. And she said she she called me up and she said she called me up because she had a phone. She called me up and she said, I just want to tell you that the section that you wrote about how to use the phone app and how to interact with your contacts from it and how to use voiceover to do all of the various phone related features, whether it's putting multiple people on a call or getting your voicemail or all those things. She's like, I learned stuff in that section that I had no idea about, and I've read the Apple documentation. And I was blown away by that because I was like, wait, what, really? I taught you something about how to use your phone as a phone? And that was just humbling to me because I felt like all I had done was go through that app, figure out everything that app could do, run it with voiceover, apply sort of my low vision brain filters to it, and say, this is what you can do with the app. And I I actually helped somebody out in a way that I didn't expect to.
3: Yeah, it's really amazing. I've had several iPhone students, and more often than not, that's one of the requests I have. I just want to use my phone as a phone. It's not so much hard as it is densely packed it's a densely packed app. And they're like, I can play games on my phone and I can do Facebook and I can even do mail, but the phone. (laughs) And so, yeah, it's really kind of interesting that sometimes one person's basic is one person's, wow, this is really out of my league.
5: There's several apps that are like that. I mean, I feel like mail is like that, even messages now because they keep adding stuff to it.
3: And of course, it would take some stuff
5: away from it. I I kind of do, or give you an option like simple versus complex or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I also focused on apps like podcasts and iBooks because I knew, especially, blind and low vision folks are doing a lot with audio and so I wrote this, this sort of really long section about the music. Back when you did the audiobooks and the music app, I, mm-hmm. I all these sections, and I hate to take something away. Like, I write something, and then it becomes obsolete, and the next version comes along, and I hate to lose that word count, but then I always find another place to put it. I even got into the weeds about how you can rip your music and then play it on your iPhone and all this stuff, and I found that all those apps were much more densely packed than I thought they were once I started thinking about, well, here's everything you can do with it, and also from an accessibility point of view, here are some of its limitations, or here are some workarounds that you can use to get more out of it from an accessible point of view. By
3: now, I truly hope that if you've never heard of this book and you don't have it, that we have convinced you to at least take a closer look. How can someone do that? How can they learn more and order the book?
5: My website is iosaccessbook.com, and you don't have to just go there and buy the book. You can learn a lot about it. The table of contents is available for you to look at the whole thing with all those headings we were talking about earlier. There's also a free sample chapter. Uh, the, I, I did a whole chapter on Siri, which includes an awful lot of the Siri commands and how to get the most out of Siri, because I think Siri is a tool that isn't, thought of as an accessibility tool specifically, but most people can use Siri in one way or another. And so that chapter is available for free and you can see how I write. And then if you uh, are still inclined and interested, you can uh, buy the book from my website in EPUB format or PDF format. If you don't know what EPUB is, that's the format that iBooks on your iPhone uses. They're also uh, accessible readers for the Mac and Windows platform that will read EPUB and, and it really does a great job of helping you navigate headings. I always recommend that people go with EPUB, but if you are more comfortable with PDFs and you have a reader that you like, uh, you're free to buy it that way as well. Or you can buy it from the iBook store. That's also a PDF, but that has the advantage of just being a simple purchase if you're more familiar with, with buying stuff through iBooks and, books and you want it to be in your iBooks library. So I try to be as flexible as I can and give you ways to spend your money at my website.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a lot of people are really unfamiliar with EPUB, but two readers that i know of that handle it very nicely are qread on windows and voice Dream reader on ios
5: yes and i link to those actually and uh, on the mac i suggest ibooks but there are other accessible uh, epub readers as well so a lot of people think especially on windows i found this because when i did the first edition i didn't really know about qread I was told by many people that that's a great accessible Windows-based reader. So even if you think you don't know what EPUB is or that you don't have something that you can read with accessibly, uh, there is a way. When you you buy the book, there's a download FAQ that actually gives you some links to some accessibility readers, including those we talked about.
1: But how can people contact you via Twitter or any of that stuff?
5: So you can find me on Twitter at Shelly, S-H-E-L-L-Y, Uh, The the book also has an account, iOS Access Book. And basically what I do on there is announce updates and occasionally uh, beg for iBooks reviews. Uh, But you can follow iOS Access Book or you can follow me on Twitter (laughs) at Shelly. That's probably the best way to find me. You can get to me via email through my website, but I'm really responsive on Twitter.
3: Fantastic. I am so glad you could join us and tell us about this and just kind of widen our horizons a little bit It's a pleasure to have had you on and we wish you lots of success with this current version of your book and those
5: that are to come. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast.
1: It has been a blast. Like you said, uh, we really want to thank you for joining us. Thank you. It was my pleasure.
0: Thank you for your visit to the Mystic Access Magic Castle. You're welcome anytime.
2: It's such a great book. It offers so much for really anyone who needs any kind of accessibility using the eye devices it's a mammoth book and it's laid out so beautifully we had a blast talking to shelly it was so much fun
1: it was and the recording turned out really really well sometimes you kind of hope and pray that when you're meeting up with a guest that your recordings actually work out because You may not have a take-two. Yeah, all
2: my stuff had to be edited, so thank God for post-production because I could barely hear anything going on until after, so it was fun for me to listen. (laughs) I was having issues. Yeah. (laughs) But it was fun, and her website to order is iosaccessbook.com, so definitely check that out. It's so well worth the money, and you will get a lot out of it guaranteed.
1: Thanks for listening to this extended version of our podcast because we covered quite a bit. And have a good day, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: The preceding podcast is a presentation of Mystic Access, where the magic is in learning. To contact us, please visit www.mysticaccess.com Call us 716- five four three 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 two three and press two to reach our Mystic Access Podcast comment line. Email us at show at mysticaccesspodcast dot com and follow us on Twitter at twitter dot com slash mystic access. Would you like to spread the word about our podcasts? Please tell your friends and colleagues to visit us at www.mysticaccesspodcast.com dot dot com. If you enjoy what you hear on our podcasts, feel free to leave us an iTunes rating and review. We certainly appreciate those. Also, you may feel free to use our podcasts in your own RSS feed. Just be sure that all of our contact information is left intact. Thanks for spreading the word, and thanks for listening. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode.